0: Well, good morning. It's good to be with each of you. We have several guests today, and we're glad you could be with us. You've chosen the best day. Sunday is the best day of the week. It's the day our Savior came out of that grave. It's the day the disciples assembled. It's a day we remember and reflect, and it's a day that we fellowship one another. And we're so glad to have each of you with us. Got your Bible? Turn with us to the book of John, chapter 10. We're going to start there, and then we'll be moving over to Matthew 27 in just a moment. But we are glad to have each of you with us. We just finished a wonderful few days with Tim Stevens helping our singing. And that was just a wonderful, wonderful thing. If you missed that, it's on our website. And I can tell already this morning the difference it makes. And we have the opportunity tonight. We're going to come back. This is the fifth Sunday. We're going to be singing tonight. Singing is important. It's not filler to get to the most important thing. It is important. God commands it, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. So we encourage you to come back this evening, join with us in song as we sing several things together. Well, it's a common sight. We see it every day. Moms and dads strap those little kids into the car seats, and they always give it just a little tug to make sure it's good and tight. Those of us that take medicines, we get medicine bottles like that. It's supposed to keep the kids out, but usually it keeps us out. But it's there for a reason, and that's to keep things safe, and secure you drive down the highway and you see semis carrying all kinds of loads and they have these straps on there and those straps are to make things safe and secure and that is part of our life we live in a world where we want safety whether we lock our front doors we leave on the porch light we want to be safe and secure if you're jumping out of an airplane like that guy did you want to make sure your straps are safe and secure and sometimes we see images like this down the highway we're following somebody and it's not safe it's not secure and something falls out I was following a guy several years ago he passed me it seems like whenever they got the biggest load, they drive the fastest and he passed me got right in front of me and I noticed his ladder on the back started doing this and I slowed down way down and pretty soon here came that ladder flying off it. It wasn't safe and secure. Now we understand that physically. But this morning what we want to do is we want to talk about that spiritually. And we want to look at a concept because the world we live in is not safe. and It's not secure because of all the dangers about us. In the book of John, if you will, John chapter 10, where we find a section of the Good Shepherd, let's begin reading with verse 7 of John chapter 10. And we're introduced to three principal people here. John chapter 10, begin verse 7. Jesus therefore said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And all who come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, verse 11 says. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hireling and not the shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, beholds the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees, verse 13, because he is a hireling and he's not concerned about the sheep. Verse 14 continues on here by saying, I am the good shepherd, I know my own and my own know me. So we see Jesus Christ. Jesus is the good shepherd. He not only cares about the sheep, he'll give up his life for the sheep. When the wolf comes, he stays. He's going to fight because he's invested in the sheep. The other character we read here is the hireling or the hired man. He doesn't care. It's just a job. The wolf comes, he runs. He thinks about his safety more than anyone else. And then the third principal character in the story is the thief. And the thief wants to come and harm the sheep. This is why we need to think about the idea of being safe, and secure one of the hymns we sing is safe in the arms of jesus got your bible now turn with me to matthew 27 matthew 27 this is where the heart of our lesson comes from here in matthew 27 it takes place the day after jesus died jesus has been on the cross nicodemus and joseph of arimathea has taken the body off the cross They had purified it as best as they could. They wrapped it up. They put it in the tomb. That was on Friday. Now what we read takes place on Saturday, the next day. So here in Matthew 27, verse 62. Now on the next day, which is the one after the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together with Pilate. And said, sir, we remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. Now, he said that in John chapter 2. He said, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. If If you just turn with me about three or four pages before this, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus had been saying this and saying this and saying this. So in Matthew chapter 16, and in verse 21, Matthew 16, 21, from that time Jesus Christ began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, be killed, and be raised up on the third day. That was common knowledge. They knew that. So when we go back to Matthew chapter 27, we pick up the reading and They said in verse 63, Sir, we remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said, After three days, I will rise again. Jesus is dead, but he's still a threat. And they're concerned about this. So the next verse Therefore verse 64 give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day lest the disciples come and steal him away and say to the people he is risen from the dead and the last deception will be worse than the first in other words if we if the tomb becomes empty people will believe this is true and we won't be able to stop the rumors So we have to make sure that body stays in the grave. Pilate will say in the next verse, he said to them in verse 65, You have guards, go and make it as secure as you know how. They went and made the grave secure along with the guard, and they set a seal on the stone. Interesting, the very next chapter, after Jesus rises from the grave, the guards come back and report. He's not there. He's arisen. They were paid off. And they were told to report that you failed as a security guard because he got out. Somehow the disciples stole the body. But I want to look at this phrase here. Make it as secure as you know how. What a great statement. And what I want to do is I want to look at these three aspects that we need to consider in our lives. To make it as secure as you know how. You think about all these different avenues of life. You make things secure because it's important. For security's sake, for safety's sake, you want to make them secure as you can. Number one aspect, the most important aspect, is your salvation. Make your salvation as secure as you know how. In the book of Ephesians, in chapter 2, verse 8, it says, We're saved by grace through faith. Not a gift of our own, but it's the gift of God. We have a responsibility for our salvation. It's not just up to God. I think some folks in the religious community got this idea. It's like riding on a roller coaster. You just sit down and they strap on the belt and you hold on to the bar. and Next thing you know, you go to heaven. You don't have to do a thing. That's not what the Bible teaches. Multiple times in the book of Acts, the question is asked, what must I do? And we find passages like Philippians chapter 2 where it says bring out or work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We find Peter preaching in Acts 2 be saved or save yourselves King James Version says from this perverse generation. You and I have obligation to our salvation. The question before us is am I making my salvation as secure as I know how? If We had a pick up out here and it was, Filled to the top with barrels and old shannon was going to drive down the road here i know shannon he's going to put some ropes on that thing he's going to put lots of ropes on that thing he may put one of us sitting on top of that thing to make sure they don't fly off what about your salvation now again in a religious community there are those who believe that once you're saved nothing matters you don't even have to go to church. You don't have to read the Bible. Nothing you do can disturb your faith because you have been saved and you're always saved. The Bible does not teach that. It does not encourage that. It does not recommend that. Passages like 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Fall from what? Fall from salvation, it would be. Galatians chapter 5, and verse 4. There, the Bible says it this way, you have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. Now, you put that passage with Ephesians 2, where it says, by grace, through faith, we are saved. If I've fallen from grace, I'm in trouble. And so what this passage reminds us is you and I have obligation. Second Peter chapter two, verse twenty for if after they escape the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they're again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. And so the Bible teaches that one can lose their salvation. Hebrews chapter 6 is another classic example of this. For in the case of those who once have been enlightened, have tasted of the heavenly gift, been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away. It's impossible to renew them because they've given up on Jesus is what it means. And so we begin by understanding, I need to make sure my salvation is secure. What can I do to do that? And it begins by understanding how the Bible warns us about certain things. Flee youthful lusts. It talks about resisting the devil. In the book of 1 John, it talks about, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, as commandments are not burdensome. By this we know we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments, it says. Once again, the one who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And so what the apostle would tell us in Ephesians 4, Therefore, as the, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And I dare say there's a lot of people who have a faith like a swing-along bridge. You ever been on a swing-along bridge? You don't run across a swing-along bridge because it goes this way, it goes this way, and you've got to kind of hold on. And that's how some people's faith are. Today, I'm strong in Jesus because I'm in a church house. Tomorrow when I'm at work, well, who knows where I'm going to be. I'm this way, I'm this way. I'm up and down. I'm in and out with Jesus. And there's no stability about my faith. And so when we think about that statement of Pilate, make it as secure as you know how, what would we do to make our salvation secure? One of the first things that come to my mind is to know God. To know God through his word. And, and that's essential to know God's word. Look with me if you want the gospel of Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8 and verse 14. We're here in the midst of the parable of the sower. Jesus says in Luke 8 and verse 14. He says, The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they're choked with worries, riches, And pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. That may well describe us, doesn't it? Worried about this, seeking riches, seeking pleasure, seeking this world, and as a result, we simply are not sure about our salvation. In the book of Matthew, in chapter 7, as Jesus was wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount, notice what he says in verse 15, again, concerning recognizing teachers. Matthew 7, verse 15, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. We need to realize life is not a petting zoo. You take a little child to the petting zoo, and you, pay, you get a little bit of the grain, and you feed the goats, you pet the lambs. That's not life. Life has a lot of people who are trying to hurt you. Life has a lot of people trying to deceive you. Life has a lot of people trying to trick you. And so I need to do all that I can To make my salvation secure. I do that, number one, by knowing God. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. You know what dwell means. That's where it lives. That's its home. That's its dwelling. That's its residence. If I was to ask you, where do you dwell at night? You'd give me your address. That's where I dwell. Here, the word of God has taken residence in my life. This is one way I make my salvation as secure as I know how. In the book of First Timothy, he says it this way Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching, preserving these things, for you will do this. You will ensure salvation. You see that phrase? Ensure salvation. Making it as secure as I know how, both for you and for those who hear you. Phillips translates it this way. Give your whole attention, all your energies to these things so that your progress is plain to see. And the ESV, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that you may be, that all may see your progress. Take pains. Now the word pain means hurt, doesn't it? And so there's going to be some effort I have to put into this. It means i got to turn off the TV sometimes and get this Bible out and go through this. And it's not just a quick read. I'm going to read the first word and the last word and I'm done. I'm going to take pains with these things. He talks about Being absorbed in them like a sponge in a bucket. You're just drinking all this up because this is one thing that's going to help me ensure my salvation. And then your progress will be evident. And we see that with these little kids around here. They used to be this tall, now they're this tall, and someday they'll be this tall. But how about us? Can people who've been here a long time say, you know, I've seen your growth spiritually. I see you getting stronger in Jesus. I see you more active. I see that you're more dedicated. You're more committed. How do I make sure my salvation is secure? Number one, by knowing God. Secondly, by staying close to each other. Staying close to each other. Again, that's that idea of the good shepherd leading us. In Romans chapter 12, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligent, fervent spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope preserving in tribulation, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. What you see in that passage is a lot of interaction, isn't it? Me, you, me, you, me, you. Devoted to you, you devoted to me, practicing hospitality, thinking of you, you thinking of me, over and over. How do I ensure my salvation? I'm going to hang around people who are going to heaven. That's what I'm going to do. People who are interested in God, that's what I'm going to do. And then what we're going to do is we're going to push the devil out of your life. The book of James says in James 4, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And then the book of Ephesians, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. He's strong enough. He doesn't need your help. He's, he's hard enough. We don't need to open the door for him. Don't give the devil an opportunity. And the means here is by your anger. I'm angry, and I say something I shouldn't say. I'm angry, and I do something I shouldn't do. And so how do I ensure my salvation? No God. no God. Stick close to his people. Not just Sunday morning. All the time. The nearest and dearest people on the face of this earth ought to be disciples of Jesus. We're going to spend forever together. I need to know these people. I need to listen to these people. I need to realize how do they get where they are. And then I must actively push that devil out of my life. Secondly, again, big issue we need to talk about. How do you make your home as secure as you know how? We're not talking about physically with cameras and locks on the door. We're talking about spiritually. How do I do this? And it really comes down to two things. Number one, what I call having rich conversations. Let's, let's look at two places in the Old Testament, if you will. Turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. We like this passage so well because it speaks so well of this. Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words, which I commend you today, shall be on your heart. You see that right there? Where are these words? Well, I wrote them down somewhere. I think it's in my file cabinet. No, these words are on your heart. You become absorbed with them. These words I'm commending to you, verse 6, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and, and talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way and when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, as they are, shall be frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What he's saying is you need to teach them and teach them and teach them. It's shocking how many people off in college campuses today are protesting and rioting and fighting because of violence overseas. And you think, why are they doing that? They're doing that because there's been no instruction in their hearts. They're doing that because they're being deceived. They're doing that because they haven't understood what God wants us to know. Now, if you will, turn with me to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 2. And again, notice this flow. Proverbs begin chapter 2. Again, what we're noticing is... How do I make my home as secure as it can be? It's not just bringing them to church. I bring them to Bible class, and they fell asleep. So it's the church's fault. We had a better preacher. Maybe my kids will go to heaven. I bring them to VBS. Nothing happened. No, it doesn't start at the church. It starts in your home. It starts when they little bitty, little bitty, little bitty. That's when it starts. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you receive my words, treasure my commandments within you. Make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. Turn the page, if you will. Chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. What's going on? Dad is talking to the son. Chapter 4, verse 1, "...Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding." Chapter 5, verse 1, "...My son, give attention to my wisdom, and your ear to my understanding." Chapter 6, verse 1, my son. And in chapter 6, he'll say in verse 16 and 17, there are six things which the Lord hates. There are seven things which are abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deceives wicked plan. What's he doing? Son, these things are wrong. God does not like these things. Chapter 7, verse 1. My son, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. What we're seeing flowing through this is a parent teaching their child. Now, starting in verse 6 of chapter 7, I believe dad tells a story. And it's not a happy story. From at the window of my house, I looked out through my lattice. And I saw among the naive and discerned among the youths, a young man lacking sense and what happens is this young man is walking down the wrong street at the wrong time of day he talks to the wrong type of person and at the end of this chapter this young man commits a sexual sin and says it's going to cost you your life well how do we help our children we have these rich conversations We share stories that we know. We take them to God's word. And through all of this, what we're trying to impress upon them is spending more time with heaven bound than earth bound. You get that degree, that's wonderful. You make zillions of money, that's good. But what's going to happen when you die? Do you know Jesus? And so make your home as secure as you know how. Now again... From the news, there was that shooter on the East Coast. And for a while, before they found him, the authorities were telling everybody, stay inside. Schools were closed. Businesses were closed. They were trying to keep people safe. That's the admonition we're talking about here. I want my child to be safe spiritually. So that means we're going to veto some shows. That means some language is not approved of. That means some friends may have to end because it's not going to help my child the direction that he needs to go. And then thirdly and finally, equally important, is to make this congregation as secure as you know how. And that comes about really by three ways. Number one, by the solid teaching of God's Word. That's why we're unashamed to teach the Bible here. That's why we're not ashamed to talk about any subject here because that's how we grow that's how we know that's how we learn god's will in the book of titus chapter 1 verse 10 11 right after he talks about the appointment of shepherds or elders to the church for there are many rebellious men empty talkers deceivers especially those of the circumcision who must be silenced why because they're upsetting whole families teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain there are certain mouths that should not teach That's what he's saying there. And we look at passages like here in Timothy, where he says, But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Some holding to a form of godliness, although they deny its power, avoid such men as these. And then in verse 10, as he talks about Timothy, he says, Now you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, love, and, per- and perseverance. The idea again, that we need to recognize how to make a congregation secure is the teaching and the teaching and the teaching of God's word. Secondly, we do this by leaders who lead. And this is to all of us shepherds. That's the role of the leader is to lead. And sometimes leaders must be brave, and oftentimes leaders must have open eyes. In Acts chapter 20, Paul warned the elders at Ephesus that wolves will come in among them. Be alert is what he said. Open your eyes. Look on the horizon. The sheep got their head bowed down eating the grass. You as a shepherd must be looking around who's lurking and to see these things. And then by the disciples who become mature. In the book of Ephesians, if you turn there with me in chapter 4, an Ephesian writer says it this way as the apostle was talking about the saints Becoming mature in Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 and begins verse 11, he would talk about the gifts that God has given the church. And he says there, He gave some as apostles and some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. And we pause there, and you knows one common thing about all those words? They're all teachers. He didn't give us a mechanic, He didn't give us somebody to increase sales, He didn't give us a supervisor. He gave teacher, 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 because that is how we become secure in Jesus Christ. Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, verse 14, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by the waves. There's that swing along bridge, isn't it? I listen to that podcast and you know it, it could be true then i heard something else i read a blog and maybe that's true back and forth i go back and forth i go no stability don't be that way don't be that way carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men by craftiness and deceitful scheming but speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in all aspects and to him who is ahead even christ from whom the whole body being fitted and held together, by which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. And so we are to be equipped, we are to be serving. And so when those Jews came to Pilate, and they were afraid of what might have happened to the body, Pilate said, make it as secure as you know how. When you look in your life, can you say, I'm doing that with my salvation? Maybe I'm dabbling too much in the world. Maybe I'm following things that I shouldn't be following. Maybe I got hold of some things that really are not good for me spiritually. Am I I doing that at home? Or am I just saying, you know what? Uh, I'm just so busy in my job, I don't have time for it. Those kids are going to grow, and they're going to move out. And by then, it's too late. And we got to think about this congregation to make it as secure as you can. I want to give you something to write down here in just a minute. I've been reading a book about Benjamin Franklin, not the Patriarch, the founding father. There was an Indiana preacher back in the Reformation days, Restoration days, named Benjamin Franklin. He was related to the the patriot, But this Benjamin Franklin lived in the 1840s and 1850s, early, early, early preacher in Indiana. Did most of us work in eastern Indiana? And as I was reading this old book written by his son, I think the book was written in 1879, he describes those pioneer Christians in Indiana. Now listen to this. This is profound. You might want to write this down. He says, their religion was to believe the facts, obey the commands, enjoy the promises. Isn't that it? Believe the facts. Believe what God says to you. Obey the commands and enjoy the promises. That's Christianity in one sentence. That's what we're all about. Whether we talk about those early, early pioneer days or where we are today in 2023, the very idea that we believe the facts of the Bible because they are true, and we obey the commands of God because God said so. But it doesn't stop there. This isn't a hitch in the army, and we can't wait till we get out. This is all duty, duty, duty. There are promises that we enjoy. Now, it's not pick out which of the three do you like. Well, I want to enjoy the promises. No, it's all three together. Because you believe, you will obey, and because you obey, you're going to enjoy the promises. But what a great, great statement. On the screen is a Great Wall of China, it was built in 7th century BC. 13,000 miles long, 25 feet high. And it was breached at least two times at the gates. Not by armies, but by people paying off the guards. They paid off the guards, the guards step aside, and the enemy troops could walk on in. And we have to ask ourselves, how secure am I making my life, my family, and this church Am I being bought off by the devil? Have I been bribed by the world? Do I just step aside and say, come on in and ignore the great security I have in Jesus Christ? Make it as secure as you know how. That's a great statement. And I hope it helps you. I hope it makes you realize, I may have to change some things in my life. I may have to step up some things in my life. And maybe I need to see how important it is that, It's not just up to God, it's also up to me. What am I doing to make my salvation, to make my home, to help this church do what God wants us to do? And so this morning, as we think about that, think about yourself. You know, this is not a game we play. You know, the interesting thing about the game of chess is you get all these pieces. You got your pawn and your rook and your bishop and the queen and you got the king. But at the end of the game, they all go back in the box. At the end of this life, we all go back in the box. But what happens is, what have I done? Have I walked with Jesus? Have I honored him through my life? Have I believed in him? Have I believed the facts? Have I obeyed the commands? Have I enjoyed the promises? If We can help you in any way. Why don't you come as we stand, as we sing?